welcome back to part two of The Fred Factor by Mark Sanborn. Uh, on the part two, I'm going to start off with sharing a couple stories from Sanborn's book uh, to tie in the Fred principles that we talked about in part one. Here's the first one. It was a beautiful spring morning in Cincinnati. Since I wasn't scheduled to speak until the afternoon, I left my hotel and found a nearby coffee shop. After paying for a cup and with free refills, I strolled outside to sit at a sidewalk table and read my newspaper. For the next 20 minutes, I enjoyed the reading and the sipping. A cab stand was nearby and I noticed an older woman at the wheel of the second cab in line. She got out of the out to stretch and looked at the coffee shop behind me. I didn't need to be clairvoyant to realize she was thinking about going inside. I got up and I walked over to her. Care for a cup of coffee, I asked. That'd be great, she replied. How do you take it, I asked. Black, she said. I went into the coffee shop, got my free refill, and paid a little over a dollar for the cabbie's coffee. When I returned to the cabbie, she was digging in her pockets for change. Don't worry about it, I said. The coffee's on me. As I picked up my paper and started back to the hotel, the last thing I saw was the woman standing speechless, a look of amazement on her face. That buck and change was the best money I spent that day. I was afraid, which gave me a whole lot of satisfaction, and maybe I passed on some inspiration too. So I think this ties together. Not only everybody makes a difference, but when he talked about uh, the Shakespeare quote that basically we live life out on a stage. People learn vicariously through our actions, even when we don't know, probably especially when we don't know that they're uh, paying attention. The other story I wanted to share was about a famous Fred. And uh, here it is. Finding a summer job in the Bronx in the early 1950s wasn't easy. But young Colin was determined to earn the money he needed. He showed up early every morning at the Teamsters Hall to volunteer for a day's job. Sometimes he landed a spot on a soda delivery truck as a helper. Then a job cleaning up sticky soda syrup opened up at the Pepsi plant. None of the other kids volunteered, but Colin did. And he did such a good job that he was invited back the following summer. That summer, he operated a bottling machine instead of a mop. And by the end of the summer, he was a deputy shift leader. It taught him an important lesson. All work is honorable. He wrote in his memoirs, always do your best because someone is watching. Years later, the world watched as Colin Powell served as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, led the military effort in the Gulf War, and established himself as a champion of education. In 2000, he was chosen as Secretary of State by President-elect George W. Bush. So, again, back to the Fred principles. Uh, every job is important from the bottom up. And just like this, you just never know what people will become. So, how do you become a Fred if you're not already? Or maybe you are that and you want to master the skill, or you want to help your people grow. Um, in part two, in Sanborn's book, he titles it Becoming a Fred. And he says, so how can we get more Freds in the world? That's easy to answer. 
be afraid. It's harder not to be afraid. The skills and abilities that enable us to be Fred-like often come naturally. They come out of who we already are. If you didn't have at least an interest or a burning desire to make the most of your career and relationships, you wouldn't have made it this far in the book, he says. So everyone wants to count. I like this part because he says, one thing seems common to all human beings, a passion for significance. Have you ever met anyone if you have, I'm sorry, but that said, I really hope my big goal in life is to be insignificant. I haven't. I've never met anyone who wanted to be insignificant. And it's not just about the behavior, the behavior, but the result of the significance as well. He says, you can convert your job into one that you love by doing a different job, but by doing the one you have differently, not by doing a different job. I'm not sure if I said that. Not by doing a different job, but by doing the one you have differently. That's what makes Fred's unique. So it's a choice, he says. Which do you prefer? Enjoyment and misery? Feeling good about your work or feeling bad about your work? Do you like uh, is it harder to be miserable, negative, and insincere than it is to be happy, positive, and genuine? I would think most people would say the latter, especially Fred's. Having the most fun doing your best work is, should be at the top of your list. And doing the right thing for the right reason. If you expect praise and recognition for doing good things, it will seldom come. I really don't know why, but life has demonstrated repeatedly that if your motive for doing something is to receive thanks and praise, you'll often be disappointed. Re recently witnessed this, that doing something, people that set out to do something with the wrong motives to do the good thing so that they can see, receive recognition and praise do tend to be a little bit uh, less happier. Whereas if we don't have the expectation of praise and reward, then it's going to be more happier. So the possibilities are endless, he says. He says, here's my take on why people love to hear the story of Fred, the postman. It reminds them not only of what is possible, but of their own personal potential as well. When others see the infinite ways to create excellence and the wow in their work, then they too will want to become Fred's. Something wonderful will happen. This energy is almost contagious. It fuels other people. It fuels you to keep going. So that is how being a Fred happens. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about creating, identifying Fred's. How do you develop Fred's? So if you're out there and you're thinking, all right, so I have my people. How do I develop Fred's? One of the best kept secrets of competing successfully, having Fred-like employees at every level in your organization, every level. All organizations have access to the same information, consultants, training, compensation systems, perks, benefits. So why do some of them soar and some of them flop? The difference is not in the things, the functions, the processes, the structures, but in the people. Uninspired people rarely do inspired work. Customers don't have relationships with organizations. They form relationships with individuals. 
Not surprisingly, Freds are also generally happier because people doing good work feel good and people doing exceptional work, they feel exceptional. Accomplishment contributes greatly to satisfaction. So how can you develop Freds? So what does Fred stand for before we start on how to develop Freds? F-R-E-D. F is for find. R is reward. E is educate. And D is demonstrate. So find means to discover, recruit, and hire Freds. Reward is create a program to recognize them. In the book, um, there was a, an institution that created a Fred Award, uh, people that go above and beyond, and it gave them motivation to be more Fred-like. Uh, they adopted this principle and created their own internal uh, reward system based on the Fred principles. So E is educate. Educate others on examples of Fred. Uh, the stories in this, I've only shared a few, but the stories in this. So education is great, and people learn through stories. If you decide to pick this book up, I think that you'll be inspired by uh, the funny Fred. Um, there's just different types of Freds. And the great thing is, is that you'll start to have Fred sightings of your own. So the D in Fred is demonstrate set an example. As we said in uh, part one, um, the best way to uh, be a Fred magnet is to be a Fred yourself. I think we said it at the beginning of this one too. Simple, yes. Easy, no. But whoever said it would be easy to be extraordinary. So let's do F. Find. Be a Fred magnet. If you really want your company to be world-class, it must become the kind of place that attracts Freds. If you don't already have some living, breathing Freds doing exceptional things for your customers or clients, your place of business or organization isn't going to be perceived as the hot place to work. Uh, you know those companies. People say, ah, oh, man, what a great experience. People leave work. They love working there. They love the situation. They love the programs. They love helping their customers. That's the place people want to go. Sometimes you can acquire exceptional people from other departments, even within your own organization. Just because you're a Fred Light boss doesn't necessarily mean that, especially in a large organization, that all bosses and leaders are going to be Fred Like. They may be feeling, these people may be feeling restrained by their current boss or situation and looking for a place to grow themselves. So make your area a Fred Oasis. He shares that. Really good department heads have often told him that they got their best team players from other departments where they just weren't being taken care of. That's also a cue to make sure that your people feel taken care of or you're taking care of your people. Um, okay, so under the find, you can also find dormant Freds. Discovering talent is often nothing more than really uncovering it. Uh, and I, when I read this, I thought about different environments that people work, um, including myself, where it was maybe not a great environment, not necessarily a bad environment, but not a great environment for that person to flourish. But when they are put in situations, when you trust your people with time, the most valuable asset to reveal their talents you'll see just how many Freds there are really in your organization. 
Uh, so hiring Freds is another find. Um, identifying a potential Fred in an interview. And he gives some really great questions here. Here's what you should ask a prospective Fred. Who are your heroes and why? Why would anyone do more than necessary? Um, if you aren't that person, then you're not growing. Another question is, tell me three things that you think would delight most. Customers, clients, consumers. Uh, what's the coolest thing that's happened to you as a customer? What is a service? All right. And then here are some questions to ask yourself about your potential hire. What do I remember most about this person? So what stuck out? What's the most extraordinary thing that they had ever done? What did they talk about? How badly would this person be missed if he or she left his current position? And then finally on finding Fred's, what would you consider best? An ordinary team led by a Fred or a team of Fred's led by an ordinary leader? So he says it's a trick question because to him, it's none of the above. I want a team of Fred's led by a Fred summarizes that up completely. Be a Fred magnet, best way to attract him. Okay, the R for reward and educate. E for educate or elevate, if you will. If people are taught only ordinary subjects and skills in your corporate training, they'll only know how to be ordinary. Every organization in the world today should be teaching employees how to be extraordinary. Part of the Fred factor philosophy is having fun. And he even refers to it as a Fred-ucation. He says, uh, by participating in some of these, these tactics, you'll increase your Fred-ucation. So first off, find examples everywhere. Your interest focuses your awareness. We pay attention to what we're interested in. As you become increasingly interested in developing the art of the extraordinary in yourself and others, you'll notice more and more examples of Fred's. Nothing inspires people more than an example directly experienced or indirectly learned from a real life incident. Challenge the people on your team to collect examples. Uh, you could even do a who's got a Fred example to share at the beginning of every meeting. That'll change the whole dynamic of how that meeting is going to go, regardless of what the news is. Also dissect and debrief. Dissecting and debriefing is a way of accomplishing four things. Identifying the specific good idea behind the example, adapting the idea to your situation, looking for ways to improve it, and identifying opportunities to apply it. Again, and then another one is teach miracle working. Um, sometimes we hold out for our best behavior when a crisis happens. Don't wait for a crisis. Perform miracles on a regular basis. Remember what we said in part one. We're trying to make this a habit. It's part of who we are. Uh, and then lastly, pull, don't push. You can't command someone to be afraid. People are going to do and be who they want to do and be. Um, invite people to join you. Off, pull, don't push. And use your enthusiasm and your commitment to gain participation. The best for educators are themselves Freds. And lastly, demonstrate. You can preach a better sermon with your life. 
than with your lips. It's a quote he uses by Oliver Goldsmith. Do you have a friend or acquaintance who inspires you by his or her example? Or are you that friend who inspires others with your example? Here's the magic question. What could you do to set an example and inspire your employees to serve your customers, vendors, and fellow employees better? Here's a few simple suggestions. Number one, inspire but don't intimidate. If Fred came if, if Fred came across as a superhuman then or inherently extraordinary, he wouldn't inspire people. He would intimidate them. Fred inspires people like you and me because he's an, ex, an ordinary guy doing extraordinary things. Next, involve. Team Fred. So he tells a story about many years ago he had a buddy who found out about a family who couldn't afford a fit Thanksgiving dinner. So he fixed up everything and delivered it. The next Thanksgiving, he invited Sanborn to join him and, and take some stuff to the nice people. It was the power of involvement. It's far more effective than suggesting or asking. Three, initiate. Don't wait for the right moment. It will never come. Be humble in your motives, but not in your example. Four, improvise. As in life, the situation doesn't determine the outcome the participants do. Remember, we have a choice. That was in part one. Forget that foolish saying, those who can do and those who can't teach. Not only is this statement derogatory and insulting to the dedicated professionals in education and training, but with a few exceptions, it really just ain't so, he says. The reality, those who do best, teach best. The man or woman who can demonstrate a lesson with his or her life most powerfully impacts others. Sanborn really summarizes this with Go Spread Fred. He says, recognize the Freds in your life. Reflect, reflect back on your life. Who have been Freds? Relatives, teachers, pastors, rabbis, friends, bosses, co-workers, Maybe it's somebody you encountered in your business yesterday as a customer. Whoever and whenever, don't take lightly the extraordinary things people have done and do for you. Acknowledge Freds for their contribution is number two. Once you realize who the Freds in your life have been, make time to let them know how much you have appreciated their efforts. And then pay Freds back. The only thing better than acknowledging acknowledgement is action. Choose to do something extraordinary and dedicate it to someone who inspires you. The best paycheck, as the popular book and movie by this same name says, is to pay it forward. So I want to end with a quick story uh, that is in chapter 9. It's under reward, but it's how another example of how simple it is to make the difference in not just one person's life, but you'll see in the story how this can impact so many other people. So this story that Sanborn shares was actually given to him by his friend Jim Cathcart, the author of The Acorn Principle and CEO of the Cathcart Institute. And here's the story. A few years ago, I was traveling through the airport in Atlanta, Georgia. At the food court between concourses, I stopped for a breakfast snack only to be confronted by thousands of fellow travelers also stopping to eat there. The place was packed. 
Every table had people standing nearby, waiting to take over seats on a moment's notice. As I stood sipping my coffee and eating my muffin, I noticed a busboy cleaning tables. He was sadly slumped over and looked defeated and depressed. He bragged, he dragged himself slowly from table to table, clearing the trash and wiping the tabletops. He made eye contact with no one and just watching him, I too started becoming depressed. I caught myself mid-emotion and said to myself, somebody has to do something about this. So I did. I disposed of my trash and walked over to the busboy. I tapped him on the shoulder, which made him recoil as if he had been caught in a crime. What are you doing here? What you're doing here sure is important, I said. Huh? He replied. I repeated myself and added, if you weren't doing what you are doing, it wouldn't be five minutes before there was trash everywhere and people would stop coming in here. What you are doing is important, and I just wanted to say thanks for doing it. Then I walked away. He was in shock. Perhaps no one had ever spoken to him that way before. When I had walked about 10 feet, I turned and looked back at him. In the time it had taken me to travel just that distance, I swear he had grown six inches. He was standing straighter, almost smiling, and even looking some people in the eye. Now, he had not become serviceman, quote-unquote, spreading cheer and goodwill. He was merely working a bit more effectively and no longer looking depressed. When I had done, what I had done in the overall scheme of things was trivial. My comments did not change the world, or maybe they did. Did they? By simply pointing out how the busboy's behavior affected other people, I had added dignity to his work. My simple acknowledgement of his worth had raised his opinion of himself in that role. That's how simple it is. So a few questions to end this uh, book review for The Fred Factor is, how many days on the job do you find yourself living on autopilot? Do you see others around you living in autopilot? How many everyday tasks do you perform in the fast forward mode? And for most individuals, it is easy to file the job away under menial or tedious and adopt the grim philosophy that people can only enjoy their lives after they clock out. But those people, most people, will work 90,000 hours over the course of their life. 90,000 hours on autopilot. That's way too many hours to write off as unenjoyable. So how do you make the shift? It's a matter of perspective. So there you have it, guys. Fred Factor. You've got the principles, you've got the stories, you've got the steps on how to improve this, your organization, your employees, friends, family, but most of all, how to be a Fred and how to be a Fred magnet. So thank you for joining me and I will see you again next time. This is Michelle Cozine signing off.